0: Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, a.k.a. entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. All right, welcome to another Empowering Entrepreneurs Podcast. Glenn Harper here, Julie Smith. What's up, Julie? What's up? Not too much. Just another day making some donuts. We've got a pleased to have a great guest today, a friend, colleague, client, compadre, fellow wingman, Bill Combis. Uh He has a bunch of litany of companies that he owns, primarily in the marketing and scaling of one's business, uh, but this guy's into everything. Bill, how you doing? Hey, good, good. Good to be here. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Glenn. You bet. Your, uh, your bio or your email says chief of staff. Is that like you're the head of a client's company or part of the Kansas city chiefs?
1: Uh, no, not part of the Kansas city chiefs, unfortunately. All right. What does that mean? Chief of staff? Uh, I, I help, um, business owners, successful business owners scale their business, um, bring in the right players, mostly around marketing. Um, a, a, a lot of businesses that are trying to scale they have a hard time finding the right marketing partners to help that without hiring full-time staff and that's not always the best solution you hire someone full-time then you have to manage that person uh you might only need them for a few months and that's it so um so that's what we do we bring in people to get jobs done and then those people move out
0: a lot of people say that's you know they have this part-time cfo and these part-time hr people would you, would you like a kind of that kind of thing, like an augmentation of marketing department.
1: Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Uh, you could call outsource CMO. Okay. Um, I do much more for many of my clients than just marketing. And so that's where the chief of staff comes in. When you say more, what does more mean? Um, hiring for production, for example, we have an e-commerce company. Um, we were building a great marketing plan for them. And I said, why can you not, Get the product produced we're having all kind of issues i said well this is actually where this chief of staff's um, concept started i said i know people let me help you get that out i called some of my colleagues ex-victoria's secret people we got the production working i hired them on my staff they came in they did some projects for us then they exited back out so that's an example um, a lot of time businesses are able to scale or we can scale marketing but then they can't handle the marketing so what are the other issues in your company What do you need to what do you need to do? Do you need more employees? Do you need a project done? That's, That's the stuff that we look at.
2: So, Bill, what I hear you saying, though, is that you've been able to create all of these relationships to ultimately help others in their business. How were you able to cultivate and create those over your career? How did you figure out the key to that success?
1: Well, a lot of it starts with people like Glenn and uh, networking with Glenn networking with other people uh, in our group mastermind groups uh, being open being uh, at conferences just just being open to have these conversations with people and learn and not shut down and and think you know what I only do marketing and that's what I am going to do and it's only people I'm going to talk to Uh, you really open up your your experiences when you talk to people in other industries Uh, I'm I'm scheduled to go to a real estate conference next week. I help some real estate investors scale their business. I don't need to go learn more about real estate. I've done real estate myself, but I'm going to a real estate conference just to learn, to hear what they say. And I'll probably meet a couple of people and make some connections through that.
0: So you're telling me you don't just sit around and just be happy where you're at and be content. You're always questing for more.
1: I wish I could. (laughs) That is correct. So, so I'm, I'm envious of people that, that can just yeah. sit and work their nine to five and come home and hang out with their kids, see their dog and go to sleep.
0: Don't lie to us. That's not true. And you know, it, you love what you do. I, I,
1: yeah, so, I do, but I, I am envious at times.
0: Yeah. So back in the day, uh, I think you had some, you know, you came out of college and you, you I think you got what's called a real job and you worked for the man. And then at some point you decided to, uh, you know, not work for the man and do the thing you're on your own. What, what was your experience prior to becoming an entrepreneur when you're working for someone? It
1: was, it was a good experience. Uh, yeah, I, I worked at, um, I worked for the man at Victoria's secret, limited brands, Coles, GE gap, several large companies. And, um, I was promoted. I moved through the ranks. It was, it was good, but I guess something was always missing because i you know w- once I, I hired a supplier once and we worked very closely together to build a loyalty program for gap and republic and old navy and i liked his life i liked what i saw he was out signing deals he was traveling all around he was doing some entertaining um, you know he was he was capturing business and then enjoying that life and i thought i'm never going to have that in the corporate world Unless I get to the level of CEO, and it's just not me. And, and how many of them are there? That's like uh, high school trying to make a college athlete, and then college trying to make it in the pros. It's the same thing when you're going up through the corporate ranks. If you want freedom and you want something big, and you have to either be a CEO, C suite level, which is probably not going to happen, then you have to go make it happen on your own. And so, somewhere there, working with that guy uh, shifted my thought process. And I actually, went to work for that guy and left the corporate world and went still working for the man, but it was a $3 million company. Instead we were working back in selling to all those retailers we worked with. And so we took that business from 3 million to 20 million over the course of three years. Um, and I thought, wow, maybe I could do this myself. And then <laughs> I took the next step out to be fully on my own.
0: Did you have a, uh, like when you're a kid, did you have, you know, entrepreneurial tendencies, or did you just, listen, I just got to go up and go to work. Uh, do you think this did, did that trigger you those thoughts when you were young or did it trigger you when you saw this different kind of lifestyle dealing with this vendor?
1: Yeah, that's, that's hard to say. Uh, not when I was young, cause I grew up in a blue collar family, you know, my dad worked for the city and um, so it wasn't there. I wasn't even supposed to go to college. So I got lucky and figured that out. Um, it wasn't in college uh, When I graduated college, I was always messing around with with side businesses side hustles trying to figure things out so it's always been in me and Then when I saw that guy that lifestyle and joined his company, that's when it probably hit me that hey There's more to this, but I, I can't identify where it happened It, it definitely wasn't where I, when I was a kid. I did not have a lemon, Lemonade stand was not shoveling too many walks. I was not walking dogs.
2: Do you think that that supplier that ultimately helped you make that jump, um, was ultimately your mentor and do you still keep in contact with that person as you've, you know, turned into the entrepreneur yourself?
1: Um, I, I do not, um, keep in contact with him. He's changed lifestyles as well. He sold his businesses. He was 15 years older than me. Um, so he's moved on. I think there were people that worked with him inside his company. I liked his lifestyle. I liked how he sold. I liked how he made things happen. Um, I like some people um, more of a mentor that were in his management team that, that I followed more closely. And the entrepreneurs that, that I like have somewhat of a corporate experience. Um, I, I, everything I do in life, I run more in a corporate manner, but then I like the freedom of the entrepreneur. some kind of a hybrid. You, you might be able to throw me back in the corporate environment and I might be able to do just fine. Uh, I like to think I could. A lot of entrepreneurs will say no way do I ever want to go back to the corporate world. I just can't handle it. Um, I don't, I don't look at it and mind it. Uh, so, but again, I haven't been back in that world. I have a few phone calls once in a while and I realize it's tough.
0: It's funny. The a typical entrepreneur, when they leave a real job, they've successfully, will never be employable by anybody else. That just is a rule. But you, you definitely have a little bit of tendencies that you, I I guess a segue is you, you kind of like process, you like structure. um, You like that playing the, I don't want to say a corporate game, but just understanding all the different pieces because you're not just doing one thing, you're doing multiple things and most entrepreneurs only do one thing when they can do the other things, that brings a little bit of that corporate back into you and and, and works on that. Do you feel like, you know, that gave you a competitive advantage being an entrepreneur, having that experience to understand that you can't look at things in one dimension. It's more of a, you know, all over the place looking at things like a spider monkey, or do you feel like you went into this just doing one thing?
1: Well, I I think the corporate background probably is a hindrance because it's a crutch. I always think, oh, well, I can always go back. I don't anymore, I've been out so long, but for the first seven, you know, seven, eight, nine years, I kept thinking, man, it'd be nice to have a paycheck every week. Man, it'd be nice just to talk to people at the water cooler and not work as hard as I'm out here working. You know, um, eating what you kill is much different than getting that, pay- that paycheck every week. So uh, it's difficult to leave that and make that transition. But once you're, once you're gone long enough, yes, uh, I'm probably not employable because I would drive people insane with, with, with uh, Let's get something done now. What are we doing? Why are we talking for an hour and a half about this? Why is committee. IT here? Why is everyone here? Why you know this is a marketing project? Uh, l- let's just move this forward. Let's take a baby step. Let's test it. We don't have to. We don't have to have the whole committee agree that this is the way we're going. So yes, I would probably. Um, frustrate myself and frustrate others in a corporate environment at this point.
0: Do you, you think the, uh, you know, what I see a lot of with entrepreneurs is just the speed that the things can get done and the no hindrance of any, have to worry about what any of us thinks you can just say like, well, I just want to go do that. Let's get it done. Versus, well, I got to go market it to this person, this person, this person, figure it out, get a budget for that and everything. As an entrepreneur, do you, do you, I mean, you just said that you really, really enjoy that. But can you imagine that if you had to deal with that in your business and have to go through committee to get something done, it'd be nauseating,
1: would it not? Yes, it would be. I was on a call last week where we were going through this with a corporate environment or or a corporate client in a corporate environment. And I I, I was, I was, I was not happy. (laughs) And and I probably showed my frustration (laughs) a little bit in the call. Um, when you ask a question in the first five minutes of the call, like, no, 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 we'll, we'll get to that, and then you go through an hour and a half, and then I say, you, by the way, remember that question I asked? Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that that's what we are. That, that's what we can do. We can do that. I said, well, I asked that in the first five minutes. But you wanted done. to do a dog and pony show for the entire, you know, because you've you had a dog and pony show to present, and you wanted to get it all out. Well, if you don't need to get it all out, then let's just get the job done and move forward. So yes, that that is one big difference.
0: Do you enjoy working, I mean, in your career, you definitely, being this chief of staff, you have to deal with different sizes of companies. Um, Do you find it more rewarding working for somebody who's a little trying to get things started, somebody who's kind of rolling, or a company's already established and rocking and rolling? Do you have a preference of which level you like to enter in with a client and, and be their advisor
1: for that? Yeah, 100%. And, and I've done all three and I, I just, I can't identify any longer with the first two you mentioned. You have to be rocking and rolling because my experience is is too deep to, to you know, I mean, startups, product launches, all those things. Uh, one, the client looks at you in a much different light. They're ready to fire you every second because they're like, hey, we're small. We don't have a budget. This is it. You got to go. And so if you don't perform very quickly, they're looking at you um, to get, to, to push you out the door. And, and that's, and that's not the way to run a business. You have to be well-invested and think this is, I mean, you know, if it says six months and we have to invest $10,000 a month in this for six months, that's what we have to do. So unfortunately, the ones in category that are just starting up, not well-funded startup, even well-funded startups, they, they have their challenges. Everything's about the return on investment. And then number two, the ones that are, that have a product and it's starting to work, they just don't, typically have the hindsight or, the, or the, the foresight to say, look, we've budgeted for this, we're gonna write it for six months, we're gonna see what happens, we're gonna analyze it, and then we're gonna make decisions from there. The guys that are rocking and rolling, they're fun to try to keep up with. They have the challenges because they're scaling their business and like, we don't know who to put here, and we don't know who to put there. We don't know what marketing is gonna work, but we're, we're, we're doing great right now. So I like to jump in with those owners and say, okay, where are your problems? here and here. All right, let me go solve those two problems today to knock those out of the way. Those roadblocks are done. So I definitely, I actually, I only now take clients and in, in it's in my LinkedIn bio, successful scaling businesses, because it's much easier to take a business that's already scaling to a much higher level than it is you know, to, to take a startup because a lot of startups fail.
2: So, Bill, you're That's talking us. about where you are now. Can you kind of take us, you know, you went with that supplier, you took that leap of faith, you did that. Can you kind of walk us through what's happened in your journey to where you are now, where you just want to work with successful rocking and rolling companies?
1: Um, yeah, it was, it, it was an interesting journey. Glenn, being my tax advisor, um, knows the journey very well. We can't um,
0: talk about everything, maybe just some things.
1: Yes, ex- exactly. <laughs> some of the journey. The journeys that happen here in Ohio um, are, are, it, it's been tough because when I went out, I actually bought a concrete company when I left um, the, the, the small company that we took from three to 25. Um, I bought a concrete company and I, I wanted to go out on my own. I needed to make sure I had enough cash uh, flow to support myself, my family and my wife because she she doesn't work. And so I was looking at different businesses that had a certain cash flow that I could handle and, and would support us. And so we looked at probably, I don't know, five or six businesses. I was in Glenn's office a few times looking at a couple of them. Some of them just don't pan out, um, which is a good piece of advice. Don't buy a business without getting your your, um, your, your strategic partners involved, your, your attorneys and your accountants, tax advisors. Uh, and then we ended up with a concrete company, purchased that. Then at the same time, Bridal Company purchased that. I had three pizza shops at the same time, and I had 28 rental properties. That was probably way too much to be doing at the same time. And so um, what happened there was concrete was we had more business than we know what to do with. Well, I'm a marketing guy. Um, I needed a chief of staff, and that's one of the things I learned in my uh, experience is that we were scaling, we were growing. We had every builder in town, custom builder. We just couldn't keep up. And, and instead the, the pleasing guy, I am the marketing guys, let's find a way to do it. Let's find a way to do it. Let's find a way to do it. And we overcommitted and it just was not a good situation. Um, and, and I'm out there just marketing away. If I had that number two person that was with me to say, wait, stop, slow down. You got issues here. You got challenges here. Let's fix those because you have a great product. Don't scale too quickly. So that, was going on um, and then the same thing happened in a few of the other businesses. We were just scaling too quickly. Uh, after it was all said and done, I was worn out being being the, the owner operator and it made me realize that, wow, I really like being number two. I wanna be number two in all these companies and help people. I don't wanna be the number one guy. So working with my coach, we developed that um, that scenario in that marketing plan of of how can I go out and help other people? And so ended up selling all the companies, um, selling real estate and just focusing on being that true supporter of that founder in a business. And so to keep me busy at the level that I need to be kept busy at, it has to be a company that's scaling, that's successful, that's moving quick because it gives me all the things that I wanna get my fingers into.
2: So Bill, what it seems like you're saying though, is you kind of took all the lessons you learned throughout your journey, came to a conclusion through a lot of self-awareness, it sounds like, and then were able to take a step back and use kind of where you were able to pivot in your journey to help everybody else and still be able to succeed.
1: That is correct, and so that's that's continual analysis of yourself and where you're going helps because once someone goes on the entrepreneurial journey, they don't really know where they're gonna end up. But no. if, if you're too focused on where you're gonna end up, it, it could end bad. Um, and, and some of my business did not end up where I wanted them to go, but because I had a bigger awareness of myself, I knew where I wanted to take myself. So where I'm at today is, is perfect. All those lessons, the great lessons, the hard lessons, they add up to where I wanna to be today, and, and I'm close. You'd think I'd figured it out by now, but I'm close to being exactly where I wanna be.
2: Isn't everybody? <laughs> yes. Everyone,
1: everyone should be. Yes. They yeah. they should not have had it figured out yet. As the fun
0: is actually figuring it out, right? I mean, we don't want to have catastrophic failure at any level, but you, the only way you can kind of develop and evolve is you have to go through the schnizzle. Is there anything prior to what you're doing now that you wish you know, if an entrepreneur is listening to this podcast and trying to figure out what they're going to do and where they're at, and they may be on their journey at the very beginning, having some challenging times, you know, what is that one thing that you took from when you had to make all those changes that, man, if I'd have just thought of that, or if I'd have just did this, or if I'd have cut the cord sooner here, if I'd have just got that advice, what would you advise a fellow entrepreneur that are struggling perhaps or trying to get to the next level?
1: Uh, rely on your network. And ask a lot of questions when i look back there were quite a few times i'd ask and listen to the questions i mean i'm sorry listen to the answers that they give you um in my in my most challenging times some of the answers that i had received from people like tax advisor plug for glenn <laughs> um there were there was some good advice that glenn said Did you think about this and this i mean hey yeah but i don't worry about it. i got it i'm good i'm going um, instead of stopping, slowing down and thinking, wow, what did my attorney say? Or, or why? And not even paid help. I mean, you just ask questions in my mastermind group, join mastermind groups. Be around people that have already been in your shoes that can give you that advice. Um, don't hang around the same friends and family and don't talk about your business with your friends and family because they're gonna give you the wrong advice unless they've already been there. So listen to your advisors, have a good strong group of advisors reach out to your network, free advice, but people have already been there or people that are on the journey that you're on so you can all share your experiences. I did not do that. I learned that too late. You know, I, I went from the corporate world to the entrepreneurial world. I didn't know all these groups existed and mastermind groups and I didn't know to align myself with all those people and I didn't know really to listen to my advisors as closely as I should have. So it is, if I do it all over again, it's, it's pretty simple. Open up your network and listen to people and move a little slower.
0: It, it is kind of funny that a lot of entrepreneurs that are like industry specific or doing whatever they, they, they do, they generally feel like they know everything there is to know. And yeah. it's the second they realize that it's possible, just slightly possible, that they don't know it all and they listen and try to learn, the light switch comes on and all of a sudden things just happen. And it's the hardest thing is to get an entrepreneur to understand that at some point, hopefully early in their in their journey, that they don't know it all and they should go out and get this information. Can you imagine being a entrepreneur, uh, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, before the Internet existed, before all this stuff, you you would have no support structure. I mean, the, the men and women that came prior that started businesses, how the heck did they do it without all
1: these resources? You ever wonder about that? I I do. Uh, I also know that the competition wouldn't be as fierce because it was harder to start a business then. So there were much, there were many fewer people starting businesses. So um, I I think it's all relative. There are so many resources now, but we all have access to those resources. So we take advantage of it. But when you start a business, there's probably other five other people starting the same business in the same week. um, Whereas 20 years ago, there wasn't.
0: What do you think uh, most entrepreneurs have, like a, we call it a superpower, like something that they're just they just can't figure it out other than the fact that they're just darn good at something, whatever that thing is. And they're just they're unique. They're um, they've got this special thing that can help other people. It's very rewarding for the entrepreneur. What do you think your superpower
1: is? I think you're going to have to wait a few more years to figure it out. <laughs> but if I had to answer today, um it's it's definitely supporting a founder of a business and being their trusted chief of staff. Um, Most most people, most founders don't have someone to go to. They have their C-suite or they have their partner or they have someone that has a completely biased opinion. They don't have someone to go to and say, hey, this is my challenge. This is my struggle. What should I do? You know my business. You're side by side with me. And my job, much like the chief of staff or the president, is to serve at the pleasure of that founder. I have no other... I have nothing else that I want out of life except to help my client get the best results. So I think that's my superpower is that I can focus on that. I don't care about my results. I love to spend money. I love to make money. But the money will come. I'm not looking for the dollars. I'm looking to take care of my client. And if the client gets taken care of, I'm going to find out how I'm going to make my money. So I, I think that's unique. I love to be the number two.
0: I mean, who doesn't want to be Austin Powers' number two guy? Um, so when you're sitting there, you just said something, too, that was kind of unique is the entrepreneurs, they always start, some of them start out like, i got to do it for the money, I'm doing it for the money. But we find the most successful ones ultimately really don't do it for the money. They do it because they like to build something, like to do something. They like to exercise a skill set. And if they can figure it out quick enough how to how to scale and, and turn that into – um, valuable process and systems and a team, then they, the money will always come. You you said something interesting, like you never did it for the money. You did it because you, I mean, you had to get the bare minimum to survive, but it wasn't about, oh, if I can make a hundred thousand a year, I can make 500,000 a year, make a million dollars a year. I don't think you have a, a limit or a base on that. Do you?
1: No, I, I don't. I, my, my best earning years, very high earning years when Glenn, you said, you need to do more of that and replicate. I'm like, I just, I just don't like, I don't like that. I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like the person I am doing it. And so I didn't, and I I know where my base is. And it's interesting right now I'm having the discussions because I have four clients that I really enjoy working with and they pay me well enough to do everything I need to do in life and have a really nice life. And I could do that in probably 30 hours a week. Um, but yet here I am building these other potential projects, building other potential revenue streams that I don't need. And I have a, you know, I have a coach that I, uh, that I speak with every Friday and we talk about this and why am I doing this? It's because I like to build things and, you know, there are certain things that I haven't achieved yet and I want to know what they are, but I, I am in a position right now to pick and choose my clients, pick and choose my work, pick and choose how much I work. And yet I'm working more because <laughs> I, I, I don't know why there, there's something I like to build. And there's a couple exciting things in my life that I want to make happen. So
0: are you potentially off your meds and, and you're not staying focused? Is that why you keep doing this? Uh, of
1: course, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, no, but that's, you know, that's the one thing that um, that's why I meet with a coach every Friday. We call it my, I, I she said, "Will you call me anyway, like it's not a business coach. It's not a life coach. I said, it's just my clarity coach. Um, going, you know, I, 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 like to chase squirrels. I always have mm-hmm. liked to chase squirrels meeting with someone every Friday to talk about the squirrels that you could chase and to make sure it's not a squirrel. Um, is very valuable. So Do you she, have I've been meeting with us for two years? She knows me very well. And if I bring up anything crazy that doesn't match with the, the, my personal mission, vision and values, she'll question it and say, why are you looking at this? Where are we going with this? And then I talk through it. And, and most of the time, before she even answers me, I've already talked through it and figured it out for myself.
2: So uh, has she become your number two, essentially, as you're being the number two to these four companies? Has she become your number two?
1: No, she she's just simply um, a coach. We meet every Friday. We talk. She gives me advice. Um, my, it's a good point of clarification. When I say number two, I want to be a sounding board, but also... You know, I'm not simply a consultant. I want to get it done with them. So, okay. These are your three problems. I got it. I'm going to go solve it. Let's go figure it out. I'm going to bring it back to you. We're going to make some decisions and go. Whereas I call her a coach because she's simply a coach. We meet, she gives me some advice. She goes away.
0: You know, you seem very, most consultants in your space, they come in uh, fire and brimstone, go through, chaos everywhere, analyze everything, do this, this, is here's what you need to do, and here I'm going to charge you 50 grand for that. And then they walk out. And that company has to now figure out how to execute yeah. it. So you're telling um, me that oh, you yeah. do something a little bit different. You not only get the plan, but you actually finish what you start and do what you say and assume that role very seriously and make sure things get done.
1: That is right. Good summary. I uh, need to write that on my...
0: Write that uh, on, on your website. blog. If, I, if uh, I had a
1: website, yeah, okay. which I
0: don't. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, you want to stay on the down low. So, you know, where you're at right now in your career, and your journey, um, is there every, every entrepreneur generally will have some sort of like dream deal or what they would like to be part of and be like, man, if I could just get in with that company or that person and... I think I can take that company, that person's, their product, service, whatever to a whole different level. Um, what is that dream deal for you? Do you, have you thought of that? Do you
1: have one of those? I, I do not have one. I have a, I have a dream deal for each of my clients. Um, and maybe that's how I look at things differently. If, if I work with a client, then they have to have long term potential for me and they have to have something really, really unique. That I can see and I can dream with them. So, for example, I'm working with a Saudi Arabian uh, fashion luxury brand startup, um, which His breaks opposite. my rule. But this, <laughs> but this, we've been working together for four four years now. So um, I didn't know that rule then. So, so we are um, we have a dream. I know the founders' dream. We're doing some great things with the Saudi government. Um, they want to support us. We're involved in international uh, consulting. And we're pushing this dream out i have the founder's dream i'm excited about the founder's dream i want to be a part of that dream so i'm connected that's my dream as well Um, and i could say the same about all my clients that i work with i know what they want to do and i want to be a part of it long term um i don't know i I don't know if that answers your question but for myself you're probably asking for myself do i have something that i really want to do yeah I'm
0: well what i mean is like you know what what you're saying is that you really don't want to work for a client. You want to work with a client with. and be part of not on the outside looking in, which is really hard for a lot of entrepreneurs to be fully vested like that. Cause that takes a lot of emotional capital, a lot of, cause you're all in, it does. you're not just on the outside kind of playing around, you're going deep. So that's why, like you said, four clients is probably more than enough to do that because that takes a lot of bandwidth. And so I guess what I was suggesting is that, if you, you know, you listen to a lot of podcasts, you listen to a lot of, you know, educational things, you read a lot, you travel a lot. Have you seen a company or individual out there that would be like, man, I, I just know they're doing it wrong. And if they would just do this, I, I could take them from A to the moon here. It'd be an amazing journey for them if they would, ju- if I could just get in front of them. Do you have anybody like that that you've kind of looked or identified with and say, man, if I could just get with them?
1: I do not. I cannot think of one.
0: Well, you got to go read more, listen more. I guess is the takeaway from that. I, I know.
1: I'm working. With, I'm invested, <laughs> fully invested with the clients that I have. Um, now, I do. I, I will tell you this. I, I guess as an industry, I guess we could talk about an industry okay. if if the industry. So, I've been pushed into the home services industry to help with marketing and other things by a good friend of mine that owns, operates, buys, sells. Um, H, or home, home, home services company HVAC plumbing heating, all these different things and we're doing some marketing work for him So there are some really large agencies out there that charge a lot of money to do work for these guys and once they get their claws in Most home services companies and founders are like we don't know the questions to ask We're, t- we're afraid to turn them off, but they're charging us way too much money. So he and I are working together We fired his agency. We're putting together a plan that helps those guys and so he said, Bill, I, I gave your information to another fellow in Denver. He's got 28 trucks, really large company, same problem, wrong agency, charging way too much. And I just did a free analysis for him. It's like a three-page report, sent it to him. A couple of days ago, within an hour, he responded back, hey, this thing's amazing. We got to work together. What are we going to do? My other comp- my other agencies uh, on contract till May. I'm ready to push them out. Let's go. And I said, well, I appreciate that because all the home services companies are having these same challenges. But my job is not to come in and compete and push people out. My job is to come in and help you from a C-level perspective, look at your partners and say, hey, maybe they can do this well. Maybe they don't do that well. We don't need to throw them out. Um, and so that industry overall, it needs the outsourced chief marketing officer, if there was a term for that, because that industry and those, and, and those business owners are being taken advantage of. Um, by a lot of different marketing agencies that charge way too much money for what they're doing. So I'm, I'm aligning myself in that world since I know it, I owned a concrete company, I know the struggles. So that might be my, my dream challenge, fix an industry. And if I do that, it would be very lucrative.
0: It would be when you are, you know, working with clients, you know, there's definitely certain sizes that you want to work with and, and, and challenges like we indicated you, you like the more, complex, sophisticated type ones. But again, when you describe your portfolio of clients, you're kind of all over the board with that because I think the challenge is, again, that was my initial thought or question was, is it funner to take somebody that has nothing and bring them up? Or is it better to take somebody who has something and make them even better? Which one do you like more? Which is more rewarding for you?
1: More rewarding See, well yeah that's a tough question i know because then it, then it becomes a financial question because you do everyone needs their base minimum what they're worth what they feel what they just what they have to pay their bills so if i could look and say this is a product that's amazing and it's a startup product and i know it's going to be amazing i want to ride that journey then that would be extremely fun and fulfilling however those are unicorns you know for every 100 products 99 of them just aren't going to make it. And so you can hit your your wagon to a lot of tough emotional rides. Those are also the most emotional. You, you alluded earlier to the emotion. When you're all in with a team, you're not playing on the outside. You're like, yeah, hey, here's my bill. This is what I think you should do. Cool. Pay my bill. And you walk away. When you're inside, you're worried about every penny. I mean, you cut your own pace sometimes. Mm-hmm. When the client's not doing well, I've cut my own pay in half. like, look, I'm still here, but I'm cutting my own pay. We're going to make this happen. It's going to work. Um, it's very emotional to be in that situation.
0: Wasn't that like what they always say, don't get emotional in business. So how do, how do you balance that?
1: I, well, I don't, yeah, well, I think you need to be, um, emotion in terms of passion. You have to have passion about your product to push it forward. If you don't have emotion about it, you're not going to have much of a product. You're not going to wake up every morning and be, um, jumping out of bed, saying, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to take over the world today. But don't be emotional about the day-to-day decisions. That's where a lot of entrepreneurs get caught up. They're emotional about every single decision that's happening instead of leaving the passion and the emotion for the big picture.
0: Perilous by analysis, right? They just can't get out of their own way. Yes. So as an entrepreneur, you are out there, you know, making the donuts, slaying the dragons, doing what you do, at some point when you're identifying a client that you want to work with, do you feel like today versus 20 years ago? I can't remember how long you've been doing this as an entrepreneur, but it seems like since I've known you. But yeah, do you feel like you have a good, I don't know, gut instinct to recognizing your client if they've got that, quote, it factor like you like, whoa, they know they they got it figured out. If I can just get in with them, we'll take it to the next level. Um, do you feel like you have to have that gut check and kind of just recognize that up front before working with them? Because if somebody comes up to you and say, "Hey, I need a scale. Let's rock and roll," are you going to just jump in with them? or Are you going to say, "You know, that guy is"? When you said successful entrepreneurs and you said, "You know, ones that really got it figured out," how do you know that they could say it? But do you have this gut instinct with them that you can just recognize the type of character they have and that they, if they have it. Yeah, you, you can
1: definitely tell people that are already doing well and um, just by the conversations you're having with them. Uh, but I mean, the people level. that aren't,
0: aren't doing well. Like, like you well, just Well, that's like, why
1: I, yeah. I won't. Well, yeah. It, well, I will only work with the, well, I, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I know at, at least. Um, Busted. The, my target customer right now, today, and it's happened over the, the last three months. Actually, in the last two weeks, I've had people referred to me. A startup was referred to me. And I said, you know what, it's, it's not who I work with and, and, but I'm going to talk with them, I'm going to chat with them. I'm going to put them through my, my initial, you know, um, survey, fill out a survey. One of the things I have them do is fill out a survey. If they're not willing to fill out this survey, which is kind of complex, um, then it qualifies them away the opposite mm-hmm. way. So I still have conversations with people because maybe there is something there, but Um when we talked with this this plumber, I looked at his business. I saw he had 28 trucks. I saw he's he's spending an ungodly amount of money in a marketing budget every month. That tells me there's a lot of money in that company somewhere. And Mm -hmm. if he's seeing it or not, that's my job to figure it out um, and make it better. So you can ask questions to say, oh, you have 28 trucks. Wow. Uh you have an X amount um marketing budget. Wow. There's a lot of cash flow in your business. So someone is making money in there. It might not be the owner, as we know in many cases, but I can help you figure that out. So you can ask questions and figure out how successful people are. And, and yeah, I, I think I'm getting closer. And when I'm not close, I bring it to my coach every Friday and we talk about it. Like, is this a client for me? Is this is this something that, you know, matches my values and where I want to go in life?
0: So your coach definitely talks you off the ledge, which is which is good because most entrepreneurs are on the ledge all the time. And it's not only just a ledge, they're literally walking on the top of the peak on that Ridge and they could slip either way and fall off and it's over. Right. I mean, that's a real thing.
1: I lived that life for many years. It's the best it makes you
0: feel alive, doesn't it? Uh, um, yes. Now, yes. Until you hit 50. right? Was something bad happened at 50? I thought that's when you have all the wisdom. No?
1: Well, yeah, exactly. Um, you don't want to live that life when right. you're 50, you're supposed to have the wisdom. So that's good. So
0: one thing you said, and, and I, and I applaud that because I find a lot of entrepreneurs, that you know we work with that they hit the point where they have their they're not satisfied but and they're not content but they're they're doing fine they're they're doing okay and they still have a lot more to give but they don't want to give in like all in to give to somebody and they end up turning into these mentors and part of these mastermind groups and and just giving away some free advice and just sharing those experiences to kind of help other people. And you kind of, I guess, alluded to that with this one you just said that you got to fill out the survey. And even though you will probably not work with them, you may be in a situation but want to mentor them. Do you find that, that mentoring is a rewarding thing? Is it backfire? Is it a good thing? Is it a way to give back? I mean, somebody had to mentor you at some point to help you get where you are. Do you do you feel like you're at that point where you're giving back?
1: I, I, I don't. I I think I would be and currently am not a good mentor. Um, I can give advice and that's where I'm at right now. I love giving advice, but I don't have any long-term mentorships and that that I'm mentoring people. I just don't right now. I don't think it fits my personality. I'm still driven to, you know, when you're mentoring, you're giving advice. You're not helping them take action. And, And a lot of times they don't take action and it really frustrates you. So mm-hmm. if I found someone that takes every bit of action that I give them, then I'd be all in and probably be excited about it, but I'm not actively mentoring anyone. I don't have anybody, um, really that, that, that I'm, I'm looking to mentor, but that would be the key. If, if I'm going to work with you and give you some advice, you better take it. Because what's the point?
0: Correct. I've got a list of like 300 people that would like to hire you right now. And just maybe not even hire, just mentor you. You want that list? absolutely not crazy no you got a scarcity of of uh product a scarcity of mindset and it's very valuable and it's to the point where why waste that on somebody who's not going to do anything valuable with and it's hard to screen that as an entrepreneur about all those opportunities in front of you of how you get engaged with them because just because it's a perfect situation, if they aren't gonna do what you tell them, then why even waste that emotional capital and all those things to get it set up?
1: True statement? True. And then that's the emotional part. Some people, really good mentors, can can bounce away from that. I get very frustrated and say, there's money sitting on the table right here. There's a product on the table. There's this, this problem in your life. You gotta take care of it. I'll take care of it. Let me let me do it for you. So I, I can't that's why I can't be a consultant. I need to be involved inside of businesses and work with the founders to say, look, I got it. Let me do this. Go do what you're doing. I'm going to take care of this so we have a better week next week.
0: So I think there's a, you're in a unique space because a lot of times an entrepreneur is going to either say, Hey, I'm going to do business and I do all the work and I'm in charge of all those things and make a great career doing that. And you've got a great job to do that. And that's one school of thought and there's nothing. It's a great, great model. Then there's another side of entrepreneurs that say, look, I'm tired of being on the hamster wheel and I want to build a business and I'm going to scale this and other people help me do achieve this huge business where I'm not really actively involved. I'm still getting paid. You have a very unique situation because you kind of have like a, a hybrid thing. You have this job that you do as doing business for clients, but you are actually helping them build a business and you're part of it. That is very unique in this industry as an entrepreneur. Have you looked at it like that
1: before? I have, and and I struggle with it sometimes because I'm not building anything myself. And as a builder, um, I want to build something. And that's a conversation that I go through every Friday um, with, with, again, with my coach. It's like, am I ready to build something? Do I want to build something? Or am I satisfied just building these clients' businesses with them? that's all I need. And so that's why I do have these other small projects sitting out there. You know, what might work? What might take off? What might I get passionate about um, over the next, you know, 15, 20 years? Because people are like, oh, you're going to retire soon. Well, no, I'm looking for that thing that I can retire and work 20 to 30 hours a week. Because that's what I like to do. I don't like to golf.
0: What? That's, that doesn't sound normal. Yeah. What do you like to do if you're not golfing?
1: I like to go to kids sports probably for kids not- and travel sports, you know, that life. So that's fun. And in, in about seven years, that's going to be done, gone out the door. So do I want to still be helping clients build their businesses or do I want to build my own? And so that's where I'm at in life. Like, do I want to build something for myself? That's going to take me into retirement and let me have something. So my wife doesn't kill me sitting home all day. Um, something maybe for my kids to get involved in something like, you know, just something bigger out there.
0: So I think that's the final thought today is the fact that all the entrepreneurs out there, you think you have to have it all figured out and you really don't because it's ever evolving, ever changing. Um, but try to focus on one thing at a time, dominate the space before you go to the next thing. Don't run amuck and do a shotgun approach and shoot out of everything. Stay focused and then you can always pivot and change. Don't try to do everything. Try to do one thing at a time and work through it. Uh, Do you think that's a fair assessment, Bill?
1: That's a great assessment. And and don't forget to expand your network and and, and listen to your board of advisors.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today and taking time out of your busy day. Um, Good luck out there trying to figure it out. But darn, it sure is fun, isn't it?
1: It is. Yeah, thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Julie.
0: All right, Bill, take care. This is Glenn Harper.
2: And Julie Smith.
0: Signing off. Talk to you guys soon. I hope uh, you find some value in this podcast. At Harper & Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.